Hi, Glenn Broggett with Pioneer 90.1 FM on this Wednesday afternoon. And I have a very special guest on the telephone uh, who's at the moment uh, over in the Oakley area working uh, today uh, to introduce some kids as a residency artist. He's also going to be back in Thief River Falls tonight at 6 p.m. There is a big event at the TRF Public Library beginning at 6 o'clock. And this is going to be a fun one. If you love music, you just want to get in. If you want to interact, oh, man, this is right up your alley. Uh, we got They're bringing in a real wonderful talent. And I, I really uh, am so grateful that he's taking some time out of his busy schedule. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little backstory before we uh, introduce him. or He'll, he'll chat with us here. Uh, he's a lifelong professional musician. Uh, he's a drummer. He's an educator. He's an entrepreneur. He has uh, been drumming for quite some time with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band, The Love and Spoonful and has toured he has toured with a lot more than just a spoonful. I'm looking at his list right now and I, I'm chomping at the bit to ask him about these experiences that he's had with these artists. You know, aside from that though, he's on the education side of, uh, of getting musicians, young and old alike out there playing and learning to play. He's an executive director and founder of Universal Music Center. It's a nonprofit school, music school located in Red Wing, Minnesota. And if you think he's already busy enough, he is a national artist for the John F. Kennedy Center Turnaround Art program and he works extensively with underserved populations at risk youth juvenile offenders and county and state penal system inmates he really works with everybody to spread uh, his love and knowledge of music and, and help somebody out and he is going to be uh Drumming up a storm tonight in uh, Thief River Falls. Well, uh, not literally the storm that's coming into our area, mind you. But we're so very glad to have him on the telephone to talk about his show tonight and get to know him a little bit more. He's not just a drummer. He's a man. And he is, his name is Mike Arturi. Now, Mike, welcome to northwestern Minnesota, my friend. Well, thank you very much. And uh, thank you for that great uh, introduction. I'm very uh, flattered and appreciative of it. Yes, yes. And now I said at the moment, uh, as we we're doing this interview today, um, you're up here uh, not only to do uh, the Thief River event tonight, but you have been uh, at, at a local nearby school. Could you tell us about what's been going on since you've come up into the, the area? Where are you today uh, before the show? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm in Oakley at the Oakley High School, and I'm an artist for the Compass Arts Organization in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I'm here on a week-long residency for Compass. And um, I'm meeting the students here and all the music students, and I'm working with them uh, uh, individually with some of the uh, some of the students, some of the drummers. I'm working individually with them. I'm working with small ensembles with the um, brass and woodwind players, and then with the uh, choirs. Um, we're getting together and uh, actually doing a, a drum circle, and uh, we're having a drum circle uh, experience, and um, that's been a really fun and uh, fulfilling experience for everyone involved, including me. Oh, well, sounds like a great time. Now, tonight, uh, when, when when the people are, you know, I'm, I'm talking right now in the afternoon. This interview is airing in the early part of the afternoon. Tonight, there's a big event, uh, snow or no snow, uh, at the Thief River Falls Public Library. It seems like every time we open up our window, we're seeing a snowstorm. But anyway, uh, it's a come snow or shine today. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what the listener who is uh, interested in coming to the show, uh, what they can experience or what they're going to experience tonight uh, at the library in Thief River Falls from 6 to 8? Sure. Uh, well, uh, it goes from um, 6 to 7, actually. Oh, actually, okay, one 6 hour. to 7, 1 hour. And, um, and I will be... Uh, I'm just sharing a little bit about my journey through music and um, some of the uh, artists that I've performed with and some of the experiences I've had, um, you know, over the years. And um, 
uh, just you know, kind of sharing a little bit about uh, how I got started and do and, and how I do what I do. And um, then uh, you know, I'll open up to some conversations and questions and answers and so forth. And then we'll go into a um, a community drum circle uh, experience. And this is really um, a tremendous thing because. Um, it requires absolutely no drumming experience or musical experience whatsoever. All it requires is an open mind and a willingness to uh, to participate. And um, I teach the uh, basic sounds, how to get the basic sounds out of the hand. They're all hand drums. And this this is not a conventional drum set that I'll be playing tonight. These are hand drums, uh, djembes, um, you know, that, that type of thing. And um, I'll teach how to get the low and high sounds out of the drums. I teach a, a, a simple alternating technique where you just all just right, left, right, left, and low and high sounds. And uh, we play and we uh, we engage and we listen to each other and uh, and make music and it's really fun. And I have some um, drum circle facilitation techniques that I use, you know, to make it even more interesting. And um, and it's always a great time. And I'm really looking forward to uh, to tonight. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? You, you really have started with these programs and your involvement, uh, not only in this program, but the university, Universal Music Center. Uh, you, you really developed this pay it forward thing where you've had so many years on the road and you've had some good fortune to be play, to have played with so many legends. I mean, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm looking at this list and I'm seeing nothing but greatness here on on it. But you've had <laughs> such a good chance to, to, to uh, have so many experiences like that. And, and you're, the way you've been able to kind of take that into a teaching platform, I find to be quite quite admirable and we're going to talk a little bit about your earlier days but first I want to talk a little bit about the teaching side of things and really how this uh, Universal Music Center for which you're an executive director how did that really come off the ground and, and the fact that uh, I know from reading your bio that you were, were not uh, a born true uh, Minnesota resident so let's combine how you got to Minnesota how you got this whole teaching concept uh, put together and this Universal Music Center because what I've read uh, since you guys have uh, you know dropped seeds in, uh, in you know into this project has been really, really uh, some great positive outreach. Yes, it's been fantastic. And um, uh, we have at this point um, nine students that have come through the program as young teenagers that are now working professional musicians. And one of them in particular actually has um, uh, an original song she wrote. Her name is Brooke Elizabeth, and uh, it was featured on, um, uh, I think it's 97.1 in the cities. Um, and it's a, a, a show about new music, and her her song was featured in that. And she's in a regular rotation in Los Angeles on a radio station. Some of them are they're all doing very well for themselves, and uh, we're very proud of it. And what happened was, um, uh, well, you know, I've been I've been a lifelong professional musician, and I grew up in the city of Chicago. And when I started out, um, there were you know this is going back you know to the fifties. I was born in 1953, and uh, when I, I started working professionally at the age of 13, and um, at that point, there were many, 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 many venues, live venues in the city of Chicago to play in, and um, and it was uh, it was a definitely just a um, you know a solid career choice to become a working musician, which is what I set out to do. But as the years went by, a lot of those venues shut down, and the whole live performance um, uh, industry really changed and kind of went away from what it, 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 it is not anything like it once was. Um, I was able to earn a living week after week, year after year for the front, whole front part of my, uh, my career locally without ever leaving Chicago, though I aspired to uh, 
move up into National X, which I did about 30 years ago, um, uh, and then kind of left the local scene. But um, what happened is uh, I decided, you know, that I have all this experience, not only in performance, but in the business end of music as well. You know, I've been a um, a band leader, and I've been a tour manager, and I've been a booking agent, and um, I've done a, worn a lot of different hats in the music industry. So I thought it would be great to share all this uh, all this information and experience that I've gained uh, through what I've actually dedicated my entire life to. So that's when I came up with the idea of uh, Universal Music Center. And what happened was um, in Chicago, I was working with a, a, an air personality uh, for a country music station, US 99, and we had a tremendous run. Um, everybody that's a big country star now, we worked with back in the early 90s as they were first starting out, so it was really exciting. Um, but that kind of, uh, I got the job with the Love and Spoonful, so I, I had to leave that group. But um, we had a great working relationship, and there was a, um, um, a program called the School of Rock, which is a franchise that they that is all over the country. That um, and uh, we considered buying one of these franchises, and went in to take a look at it, and it just wasn't a fit for us at the time. But I really like the idea of um, uh, giving the students a live performance experience. So I decided to put a totally legitimate music education component and couple that with a live performance experience, and that was sort of the uh, business model of uh, Universal Music Center. And um, I put it together. We moved to Red Wing. My wife is from uh, Lake City and wanted to come back here, and uh, so we moved here and uh, decided to settle in Red Wing. And um, I met some people and um, finally met uh, Robert Hedin from the um, Anderson Center. And um, I rented a, a, a space there at the Anderson Center where I have a freestanding building there. And I built Universal Music Center. And right now we have about 125 students. And um, I have branched out also into the community. And um, I work with uh, juvenile offenders at the correctional facility. And I do drum circles with uh, inmates at the county jail. I work with um, at-risk youth, um, underserved populations, and um, you know, just try to uh, share everything that I've learned and everything that I know. And you know, not only the joy of music, but the life skills that pursuing a musical instrument can give to you. Things like confidence and things like uh, self-esteem and things like creativity and people skills. So all of that is rolled into what I try to share. Uh, and that's um, kind of the whole story of uh, where I am right now. And it sounds like, uh, too, from uh, when I was doing some information, or gathering some information for the interview, that it's 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 pretty much there, there's been a range of some some age groups too that have come in and, and decided to play. Whether it was you know the young kid learning and coming up to uh, some of these uh, maybe a little bit older than uh, than a teenager who uh, wants to brush up on their skills again, whether it be to play uh, with a maybe a garage band or even the church group for all all we know. But it's uh, is there a different? If you found it to be a little bit of a range of, of ages uh, since you you've started this. Well, let me answer by saying that our youngest student is three and a half years old, wow. and our oldest student is 82. So, <laughs> yes, there's a range. <laughs> oh, exactly. Now, you talked about, now, what was your oldest, uh, the oldest student you talked about? What, what did they get into? Do you remember anything about the, some of the older students uh, and, oh, and, and putting them through the yeah, process? he's still with us. He plays banjo, and uh, and he's great. You know, he... Uh, He's retired and um, and he always wanted to play the banjo and he comes in and uh, works hard at it and he finds it a very fulfilling uh, experience and um, 
he's really cool because he's taking this at his own pace and he's enjoying the process of learning and um he's not frustrated you know at not being something you know more than what you know um than what he would like to be he's happy learning and it's just the greatest thing to see him progress and see him learn how to play that banjo and uh and he's a great guy and it's always a pleasure to see him as well you know, that's a great human interest story uh, right there. Uh, I, I, you talked about uh, growing up in Chicago and you had just an abundance of, of places to, to play, whether it would, you know, would be a theater or even some of the, you know, the community center type of places. I mean, because rock and roll, you know, when, when it was starting to sprout up and in, in its infancy, it seemed like there was just a little bit more of these places where kids who were coming out of the garage could play. Uh, you know, one of the example when I was up in Winnipeg, just going to the old venues and then hearing about some of the other ones that were around, it really, really kind of just a Woken me to that history of, of that community, and it definitely came out when you were talking about your, your early years about just having opportunities uh, to to go play at these, these these social type clubs. Oh, absolutely! There were so many different venues. You know, I mean, I started out in school playing at the grade school. You know, at my school, you know, for school functions and things, and you know, and went through playing at high school events, and there were VFW halls and. Uh, parties and all kinds of things like that. And then there was a whole um, multi-tiered um, uh, industry of clubs uh, where there were just uh, kind of like corner clubs, you know, that small bands could play in. And there were um, uh, showrooms, you know, that show bands would play in. There were rock clubs that rock and roll groups would play in. Um, uh, there was, And then in those days, too, every major hotel had at least one to three or four bands or or combinations of musicians playing in them so and this was five and six nights a week every week so um there was employment and uh, and there was a place to go and hone your craft and um it's just not there anymore you know but um but it was a tremendous uh, era to grow up in and i caught the tail end of it Yeah, yeah, very, very fortunate to have gotten in on the on the end of uh, what was a really, really great run for music and just, I guess, general people being out doing things and, and being in groups and having a good time. It would just seemed like it was, uh, you know, just eons ago. But I want to talk about well, that was the place. Um, you know, just to jump in, you know, that that was that was what you did. You know, that that was the social. That's where you went. You know, for social gatherings, you went to the club, and um, or you know, the, wherever you people would meet, and it was fantastic. You know, it was a uh, it was not only fun for, you know, for the uh, bands, it was fun for the audience. You know, we were all one, basically. We were all having an experience and a great time together. You know, as a member of the audience and as a listener, what was those? What were the groups or some of the artists that really, really grabbed you and, and almost kind of helped to further inspire you as you were you were learning and you were playing? But what were the, what was the lure of some of the popular acts of the day? Who were they and what was it about it that, that just kind of drew you to them music-wise? Well, you know, naturally it started with the Beatles. You know, they were a big uh, influence to me. But um, there were a lot of groups locally in Chicago that were that never actually made a name for themselves that were just phenomenal, you know, with um, with great musicians playing in them. But one group, you know, in particular that, that I was always loved and was influenced by was, was a group Chicago. And um, uh, also uh, I remember Styx, you know, playing. They didn't play many clubs, you know, but I remember them on the local scene. They were called TW4. Phenomenal, you know. They were always they were phenomenal. The Ides of March were were great. The Buckinghams, those were all local um, Chicago groups that uh, that um, you know just were were you know they were a cut above, and they definitely had something. Um, most of those guys have become friends of mine now at this point, which is really exciting. And um, 
And on a bigger scale, as years went by, um, oh, you know, I was influenced by, um, you know, drummers, certain drummers. There's a guy named Ainsley Dunbar that is my um, my one main influence in drumming. And he played with Frank Zappa, and he was a founding member of Journey. And um, uh, so yeah, I was a big Frank Zappa fan for a long, long time. And, um, in fact, uh, it was um, one Frank Zappa record with Ainsley playing on it that inspired me to become really, really serious about my drumming and go to pursue a degree in music um, because I wanted to rise to that level of of, of uh, technical um, uh, expertise that they that they had in uh, Zappa's bands. So, um, so it was it was pretty exciting. <laughs> and then you get into the, the the work itself. I mean, I mean, the people you, you were so fortunate to uh, to kind of crossed paths with and and played professionally with. I mean, it was basically a who's who. And I, I'm just gonna name a couple of people and kind of you know maybe get some memories out of you here as we get closer to wrapping up our, our little segment today. I mean, you had a chance to work with like some of the architects, man, like Bo Diddley. I mean, where would the beat be without Bo Diddley? You know, Chuck Berry and, and Del Shannon. And let's talk about the being able to work with those guys and what was the experience like? Because I know you know you hear a lot of things with Chuck as, as a non-musician here. I've read some stuff and read you know about Chuck and uh, the way he just kind of popped used to pop into certain towns. Had a good if they had a band that could play with them, he would just kind of go with it. What was that like with with the experience? First of all, with with a Chuck Berry, who is just very much a larger than life guy. Uh, from the time he he blew up and got famous to the time he passed away. Well, he was phenomenal, and um, and he liked me a lot because I played solid and I played loud. You know, so he always was very. Uh, he always he used to say, "Mike, you were superb." <laughs> That's what he would say to me at the end of each night. But um, but he was a great guy. And I'll tell you what, you know, uh, those stories of him just picking up bands, um, it's true, but, boy, <laughs> you better know what you're doing because if, if you didn't, I mean, I, I've seen him, you know, tear people to shreds too, you know, if they weren't uh, up to snuff or, or thought, you know, uh, approached him as just some oldies guy, you know, that, uh, that was just uh, some kind of a has-been. Um, Chuck Berry was never a has-been. Every time I played with him, it was a it was a moving, very you know very intense experience. And um, this was a gifted guy, you know. And there was something different about him, you know. Of not that not only did he create, he was one of the creators, like you say, architect of rock and roll. To play with someone like that, and to feel that, you know, as a musician, you know, you interact, you know, on a, on a you know on a pretty high level. Um, it's different. It's way different. You can play Johnny Be Good with nine million bands, but it's never like playing it with Chuck Berry. No. So I have every respect in the world for Chuck Berry, and and I played with him a lot. You know, I probably I've worked with him many many times, and um, Bo Diddley was the same way. You know, he was really cool. He, you know, they, as long as, as long as you gave them what they needed, you know, they respected you. But the minute you you know I, I if you kind of looked at them as a as an oldies guy or a has been or something like that they would show you why they're who they are <laughs> real quick and clearly as well um del shannon was a dream he was a super nice guy um you know and all these people i would prepare in advance before i ever played with them so i would show up knowing every note of their their drum parts you know i would you know i i took all of this like extremely seriously so they always respected that and appreciated it as well 
and it kind of passed on because I mean, look at all the, I mean, your reputation must have really opened up more doors because you worked with the coasters, the Marvel lads, uh, Freddie Cannon. And you've done the legends. You've worked even with the uh, box stops uh, featuring Alex Chilton. I mean, uh, one of the more underrated guys uh, was, was Alex Chilton, whether it be the box stops or Big Star. You've worked with Head East, Gary Lewis and the Playboys. Uh, so many great acts. But what I want to talk about is uh, the shows that you did uh, touring as part of Dick Clark's touring rock and roll revival shows, because I'm always interested in these multi-build shows and how things get pulled off and how t- with timing and all of that. I want to talk about who... Uh, approached you to get in with the Dick Clark's touring rock and roll revival shows and some of the people that you had the good fortune of playing with, uh, with, uh, the, these, these tours that would go through, uh, through many years. Sure. Um, I was in a band called Jade fifties and it was a really, really popular club group in Chicago and it was kind of modeled after Shauna and, uh, and, um, we were, were just packed clubs. I mean, and, um, so we came to the attention of Dick Clark and he would hire us as the band and, and, and as, a to- as a whole to do all the Midwestern dates of those rock and roll revival tours. So we would tour all over the Midwest with him. And, um, and that's where I first played with – no, actually, I first played with Chuck Berry on a different occasion. But, um, but it was with uh, Dick Clark that I played with uh, Bo Diddley and um, oh, the Marvelettes, the Shirelles, um, um, Ronnie Spector, um, the coasters, the drifters, uh, Freddie Cannon. Um, you know, man, there's more that I can't remember. <laughs> there were a lot of them. But what would happen is they would send you charts and recordings. In those days, they were cassettes. You know, so they'd send you this cassette and they'd send you these this book of charts, and you know they expected you to prepare. And um, on the day of the show. That morning you would get there. The show would start, let's say, at 5 in the afternoon. You would have to be there like at 9 in the morning, and you would get 45 minutes with each one of these acts to rehearse. And it would just be like a really um, impromptu thing. It would be in a trailer and uh, no drum set. You know, uh, you'd just be in this trailer. The guys that have their guitars and the, you know, the keyboard would be unplugged or, or would just have the speaker in the keyboard, you know. Um, and uh, and they would come in and rehearse with us, you know. And... Um, and it would be uh, it would be pretty intense, you know. I mean, you would think, you know, that, uh, you, you know, you would just you wouldn't really expect them to be as proficient as they were. But every one of those acts knew every inch of their music. Now, when I played with Gary Lewis, I actually was a, a member of his band, and I toured with him for a year and a half. Um, and the same with Head East, and the same with Badfinger. I was actually uh, band members in those. Um, so um, those were a little different. Those those had an audition process, and um, I would win the day, the, the job and uh, and then uh, go out on the road with them. And um, so that was a that was a little different than the the, the uh, Dick Clark shows. And Dick Clark himself was phenomenal. Um, he he just had a way of putting this air of ease over the whole thing, and um, while being completely in control of every inch of what happened on those those stages. So um, those were pretty special times. Oh my God! I, just listening to this, I could you, I could listen to you talk for hours about it. But I know I, I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna have to wrap up uh, the conversation. I got a couple of things to pass along before we go. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how you've uh, you found yourself working uh, doing going on the road with the Love and Spoonful. How did you get that gig in the mid '90s? And what has that been like uh, to kind of get on that circuit uh, and, and play with with a band and, and see those audiences of you know that have gone beyond the boomer? It's 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 like the boomer, the son, the daughter, and the grandkid these days. 
days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, in the uh, early 90s, or no, actually it was around the mid-80s, um, I was in a band <clears throat> Excuse me, that, that used to actually come through Minnesota quite a bit, and we played a, a club called The Caboose, and, um, and the band was called Big Twist and the Mellow Fellows, and it was an uh, eight-piece um, horn band, rhythm and blues horn band. And in those days, we would carry our own PA system. So we rented a PA system from this guy named Ron Lemon. And Ron went on to become the Spoonfuls tour manager. So when they were auditioning drummers, uh, he gave me a call. And I went in and uh, auditioned and got the gig. And um, here again, there was the exact same thing as like I was telling you with Chuck Berry. You know, when you played Do You Believe in Magic with the actual guys that played on those records and wrote the song, it's a whole different experience than you know covering it in a in a local cover band. So um, then you know add to the fact of their legend and the fact that they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, they weren't when I joined the band, you know, but um, I, they they were inducted as I was a member. And um, the, you know this is a legendary group with uh, their first seven releases consecutively were top ten records and. Um, and they're cited in the history of the of music as influences to, to people like the Beatles. The song uh, "Good Day Sunshine" was modeled after the Love and Spoonful, and it's in print anywhere. You don't have to look too hard to find it. Um, they influence so many uh, uh, groups and, and styles of music, and um, you know it's an honor to play with people like this. And um, but you know that said, I take it very seriously, and I'm always on time, and I'm always. Uh, you know, ready to go, and I always give 100%, and um, and I respect them. And even though we're friends and we've been together for 25 years now, um, I still know, you know, uh, I still respect them, and, and um, I don't take anything for granted. It's a, it's an honor to play with them. And, you know, he's going to be give this man right here is going to be giving 100% tonight at 6 o'clock. It's from 6 to 7, as he corrected me earlier, at the Thief River Falls Public Library. If you like some of the stories that you've been hearing, ah, man, you better get your caboose on out to the Thief River Falls Public Library and uh, hang out take in some stories, maybe even get involved. It sounds like it's going to be a fun time and a great way to kind of uh, distract ourselves from the uh, outdoor winter uh, event that's uh, starting to go down. Mike Arturi, uh, is there anything else that we'd like uh, you'd like to pass along? Is there any place we can contact you uh, as far as the uh, internet, social media? What do you got for us? Oh, sure. Universal Music Center on Facebook and uh, universalmusiccenter.com. You know, you can reach me through both of those. I want to thank you very, very, very much for this opportunity and this great uh, um, interview. This has been a real pleasure. And I just want to say to everyone out there, you know, please come out if you feel like it. It's going to be fun. I'm happy to talk with you about anything I talked about today. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, if I could help you with uh, your your son or daughter's path in music or anything, anything I might be able to share um, that's why I'm here and be more than happy to see you and meet you and do that. So thank you so very much. Hey, thank you for taking the time. Uh, for Pioneer 90.1, I'm Glenn Broggett. Get on out to the Thief River Falls Public Library at 6 o'clock tonight and see and hear some great stories from Mike Arturi.